glorious Easter Monday. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this April the 22nd in the year of our Lord 2019. Having completed a whole number of weeks with Lenten readings, we are now going to start the Easter readings. And one would imagine that the day after Easter and the Sunday after Easter, uh, the readings would all be about how wonderful all the disciples felt that Jesus had risen from the dead. But guess what? That's not the first reading for what's called the second Sunday of Easter. It's all about a disciple who didn't believe he rose from the dead. We're going to be talking about that. It's in John chapter 20, 19 to 31. So without further ado, let's begin. On the evening of that day, and so when you look at the context, we're talking about the day Jesus rose from the dead, Easter Sunday. On that evening, the first day of the week, and the first day of the week was, of course, Sunday. The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now, does that make any sense? I mean, it is clear that the women indicated that Jesus had risen from the dead, but the disciples did not believe them. And remember John he went to the tomb with Peter, and he looked inside, and the Bible says, and he believed. Well, why then is he hiding for fear of the Jews in the upper room on that Sunday night? What does it mean that he believed? I don't really think that he had saving faith at that time. What did he believe? Well, you have to take a look at what he had seen. Yes, the tomb was empty, but an empty tomb doesn't give anybody any certainty that Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, remember when Mary went to the tomb, she looked inside the tomb, saw that it was empty, and then when she met the apostles, here's what she said, not Christ is risen, hallelujah. She said, they've stolen his body, and we do not know where it is right now. So much for faith on the basis of an empty tomb. The empty tomb doesn't create faith. What? Isn't that what Easter was all about? No, it really wasn't. In fact, I made the point in the sermon yesterday for Easter, is the point of Easter that we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. That is not saving faith. That's what's called historic faith. In other words, even the Pharisees believe he rose from the dead. They ended up paying the soldiers to lie about it, saying that the disciples had stolen the body. The empty tomb in and of itself doesn't lead to a conclusion that Jesus rose from the dead. And even if you believe he rose from the dead, which it appears John did believe, 
But what was it that he saw that convinced him? The linen cloths that Jesus had been wrapped in by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they were folded neatly in one area and the bandages over his head were folded neatly also. That's what convinced John that he rose from the dead. One would think then, if he believed that Jesus rose from the dead, why is he hiding in the upper room? And, and there's a number of other instances where people had heard about that he had risen from the dead, and yet they were still afraid. Why so? Well, remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They met Jesus, did not recognize him, and they said to him, you know, you haven't heard about the individual who was crucified, and some of the women have told us that he has risen from the dead, but they were still totally perplexed and not comforted at all. And what did Jesus have to do? He didn't give him any evidence that he had risen from the dead. He, he didn't even make himself known until they went to eat. Instead, he started in Genesis through Malachi, and he gave them Bible verses as to the reason why Jesus had to be crucified, the reason why he had risen from the dead. You see, there's a difference between historic faith and saving faith. Historic faith believes well, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead. Even the devils have that. Saving faith, he died on the cross for me. He rose from the dead for my justification. You notice how the gospel is part of the message. And until you hear the gospel, all you're hearing is historicity. Remember, the Pharisees believed all the history of the Bible. They didn't deny six-day, 24-hour creation. They believed that Adam and Eve were real people. They didn't come from monkeys. They believed in Abraham, and they believed in Isaac and Jacob. Uh, they believed in many things in the Bible. But when Jesus spoke to them, he said, Your father is the devil. When was the first time do you think that the disciples were glad to see the Lord? Well, it actually is in this verse 19. But I'm going to give you the impression that they had. Edgar Allan Poe had a little play he put together called The Monkey's Paw. And it was about a couple who bought a monkey's paw, you know, from a thrift store. And they were told they could have three wishes. So they got home. They said, well, let's try it. Let's wish for a million dollars. And as soon as they wished for a million dollars, there was a knock at the front door. And a policeman was there informing them that their son had died in a terrible car accident. He was mangled. It was not even recognizable. But his insurance was for a million dollars. Well, they were very sad. They went to the funeral. They came home. And the husband says to the wife, you know, we have two more wishes. And so for the second wish, they wish that their son 
would come back from the dead. Well, I actually saw a TV movie about this. And they were sitting in the front room, and all of a sudden they started hearing footsteps, very loud, thumping ones, with a leg being dragged. And they suddenly realized that their son had come out of the grave, still mangled. He had had a closed casket that he was unable to be looked at. And here he was coming up to their door. So what was their third wish? That he would be back in the grave. Now, why I think of the monkey's paw when I think about the disciples being in the upper room, what were their thoughts? They had left Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. They had betrayed him. They had denied him three times. Only John was at the crucifixion. The rest weren't even there. They're hiding in the upper room. You really want the King of Kings, the Lord God, to return from the dead after what you had done to him? I'm sure they were shaking in their boots. What changed their attitude? When Jesus suddenly appeared in the upper room, he said to them, peace be with you. And he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They had a totally different understanding. Because you see, the question I had for my Easter sermon was, how many of you would disagree that the main theme of Easter is that Jesus rose from the dead? Anybody disagree with that? Well, the fact is, everybody should have disagreed with that. It's not that I'm denying that Jesus rose from the dead. I'm just saying that that's not the main message of Easter. The main message of Easter is that when he was risen from the dead, it was an assurance that our sins were forgiven, that we we're going to receive the robe of righteousness and the countless other blessings that came about because of his passion. So the very first words of Jesus, peace be with you. And that wasn't talking about, oh, you're going to have a fine time on earth now, no more problems. Remember, all but John were martyred for their faith. So the peace was between the Father and them. There is no longer a separation because of what Jesus had done. He had become their substitute on the cross. And Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. He breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, that's a very important. You, you can have three sermons just on that. Because he is not giving power to the disciples to forgive sins. He is giving them authority because the forgiveness of sins is always the work of God but he uses in this case the apostles he uses pastors parents all kinds of people to forgive sins and they do so on the authority verse 24 says Thomas one of the 12 
uh, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. Now, not only did you have a witness of the women that Thomas knew about, you have a witness of the disciples that the Lord has risen from the dead. What does Thomas say? Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. What's he talking about? Is he talking about he will never believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Is that what he's talking about, just a historic faith? Well, eight days later, once again, the disciples were in that room, it appears. Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, and Jesus came and stood among them. And he again says, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Now, I don't know which professor it was that ever pointed this out to me, but I never noticed it. It never says that Thomas did take his hand and put it in the side of Jesus. He immediately answers him, my Lord and my God. And the evidence that it was just the sight of Jesus that convinced him is verse 29. Jesus says, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is really important. Jesus doesn't say, uh, Have you believed because you've seen me and touched me? No, there's no touching involved. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, what is that? That's faith. Faith is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Nobody can decide, well, I'm going to have faith that Jesus rose from the dead. Because that's not the faith that saves. The, the devils know he rose from the dead. They're not saved. Unbelieving Pharisees knew he rose from the dead. Remember, they, they knew that he raised Lazarus from the dead, and they blamed it on a trick of Beelzebub, the devil. And they were probably thinking the same thing about Jesus' resurrection from the dead. But have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, now the point I would want to make here is convincing somebody that Jesus has risen from the dead does not create faith. Because the object of faith is not an historical event. Now, I'm not saying that when you have faith that you believe the history of the Bible. No, you, you do believe that. But remember, even the Pharisees believed all the history of the Bible, and they were not saved. Saving faith involves believing the promises connected to the history of the Bible. This is really critical. In my travels this past week, I had stayed at a home of one of the members, so I didn't have to drive all the way back to St. Louis 
from Monday Thursday service and return on Good Friday. And then on Good Friday, I met with some people and talked to two people who wanted to be baptized and were making arrangements for that. But what we uh, did is we had some great conversation. And one of the things we talked about is that they're becoming more and more aware that salvation is not because of obedience to God's commandments. Salvation comes about because of trust in his promises. So when Jesus said in front of Thomas then, peace be with you, the Holy Spirit created a faith in Thomas where he realized that you just don't believe that he rose from the dead. That doesn't mean much because maybe he rose from the dead to come back to get even with you who had betrayed him, who had lied about him, who had fled from him. No, what saving faith is, is believing the promises. In fact, that's why this program is called Law and Gospel. Law deals with the commandments of God. And the law is very, very good. It has good purposes. Where we confuse law and gospel isn't because of the way the law comes across, but the way we interpret the law. I mean, how many religions, I think all of them outside of Christianity, believe that you're saved by obeying the laws of their particular God, whatever those laws are? That's a confusion that simply is not found in the Scripture. There's no doubt that the only people who go to heaven are those that God recognizes as having fulfilled the law perfectly. And that's really where Christianity is quite problematic for a lot of people because they realize they never fulfill the law perfectly on their own. What they fail to realize is that one of the benefits of Christ's death and resurrection is that you receive the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness that God is looking for is not your own righteousness because you're a poor sinful being deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. The righteousness is that robe of righteousness that is talked about in both the Old Testament and New Testament in which you are dressed. It, it kind of reminds you of the prodigal son. He comes back home trying to manipulate the father, trying to get a good job, and he stinks like a pig. And what does the father do? He runs out to him. He hugs him. And then he tells his servants, go back to the village and bring out the best robe, which is the robe of the father, the shoes of royalty, and a ring so he has authority over what he wants to do with the land. That's what's happened to you. You are not righteous because of the deeds you have done. You are righteous because of the deeds Jesus did. The resurrection is not simply that Jesus rose from the dead. No, the resurrection, the importance of it, is that he rose from the dead for you. The meaning of Easter 
is therefore not that we just believe he rose from the dead. Because you saw the attitude on the part of the disciples, on the part of the women, on the part of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They're confused. There is no faith that comes from believing that Jesus rose from the dead until you remember that he rose from the dead for you. Once the gospel is attached, as Jesus did in the upper room when he said, peace be with you. In fact, it's the same message that the angels gave to the shepherds when Jesus was born. Peace on earth. And it isn't peace in the world, but the peace that is now on earth because the Father is about to forgive the sins of everyone because of the death of Jesus Christ. So a lot of times when I'm doing seminars, I'll ask the question, if you believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, will you go to heaven? And almost everybody says yes. I said, nope. No, you'll probably go to hell. And then they're all confused. And I said, you know, reminding them the Pharisees believe those things, the devils believe those things. James even says they believe and they shudder. That's how the disciples were on the night of the resurrection. You mean he's come back from the dead after what we've done to him? So they were afraid. And therefore, when he shows up, wow. For example, how many times have you had maybe an argument with someone you had considered a friend and you're now not reconciled with them? You don't even want to be around them. But one day, maybe you're at a grocery store and you see them in the other aisle. He sees you. He comes up to you and he shakes your hand and says, boy, I really miss being with you. All of a sudden, that reconciliation has taken place. And that's what happened when Jesus said to the disciples, peace be with you. They were expecting something like, okay, I'm back. You better be afraid. You see, if you don't have the gospel message in regards to the history of the Bible, then Good Friday would be referred to as Evil Friday because something terrible was done to God because of me. And Easter Sunday would not be the resurrection of our Savior from the dead, but the resurrection of the judge who's coming back to judge us on the day of judgment. See, I even run into members of the congregation at times who are afraid of death. Because they'll say, oh, boy, I've done so many sins, I just can't believe that God's going to take me to heaven. And my response to that is, how much more do you want Jesus to do than to suffer and die as your substitute? So the message of Easter Sunday is more than that he's risen from the dead. In fact, remember how... I began the worship service, said it in the sermon elsewhere. Christ is risen, and then the congregation responds, he is risen indeed, but they don't stop there. What do they say next? Alleluia. And alleluia is the word of praise to God because 
it's a reminder to us of what the gospel really says. So I, I think the incident with Thomas is very helpful. Helpful to us in knowing how to witness to someone. What we talk about is not just the history of what happened, although we believe all of that. We talk about the benefits of that history. Can you imagine the Egyptians on the day of the Passover, they're celebrating, and all they remember is the Red Sea became dry, and they forget that they were saved from the Egyptians. Yes, the benefits are always necessary. Now, on tomorrow's Law and Gospel with Pastor Mark Smith, we always do the hymn. And it just so happens that the hymn is going to be about Doubting Thomas. It's going to have some other things in there. But it's a great example, this hymn, of the difference between Lent and Easter. Lent is looking toward his death and resurrection. Easter is telling the reason for it, which gives saving faith. I'm Tom Baker. Till tomorrow, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.